a sneak peek at what's coming up if next. If you get rid of all that, and we just interacted more with people, we thought through ideas, we actually were alone with our thoughts for a while. We actually sat and instead of instead of listening to a podcast or listening to music while you're working out or taking a shit while playing a video game or uh, listening to something while you're taking a shower, you actually sat alone with your fucking brain and thought. Imagine that. A lot of people are not used to having any of their ideas or opinions challenged. And I understand right. it can be triggering or it can be annoying to people to have their to have their sure. opinions challenged. But it is healthy, I think, to have your ideas challenged once in a while right. because well, sometimes you realize you're fucking wrong. Welcome to another episode of On the Spectrum Podcast, a very special uh, episode this week. I am remote. I'm actually recording from my house, and Steve's at his place. Uh, and due to the fact that, unfortunately, I got COVID over this last week, so we're kind of having to do this a little bit of remote. Uh, so thank you very much for kind of accommodating that. That'd be much appreciated. Uh, but as I always do at the beginning of every episode, me and Steve do not presume to be experts of anything uh we are just two human beings on our wonderful journey of understanding ourselves understanding neurodivergency as well as understanding what it means to be a late diagnosed autist hi steve hi all right <clears throat> so what's on today's topic what's today's topic uh well you may have noticed that over the past uh, week and a half or two weeks, I've been kind of playing hermit or been in hermit mode. I've been kind of yeah. avoiding doing things with people and going out in public. Um, there were, you know, I went out for my family Thanksgiving dinner, but I really didn't want to do that. But and I went to <clears throat> visit um, Lauren, you know, my girlfriend's dad in the hospital up in Boston. But besides that, I've been mainly staying in. And I've been thinking about a lot of different things. And one thing that's been on my mind is the idea of like being supportive or being kind. And maybe that's not a good way to phrase it. Uh, ultimately, what it comes down to is like giving people compliments or saying nice things to people. And okay. I wonder if other people who are on the spectrum have a similar issue where you don't give out a lot of compliments or you don't say a lot of nice things to people. <clears throat> and maybe you find it hard to find a place to give them, maybe timing or making it situationally appropriate. And then maybe mm -hmm. when you do actually give them out, people are less likely to believe you or either it's awkward or weird or they don't believe you because you don't really give them out very often. So they think you're just, you know, blowing smoke up their ass. So it's kind of right. like that whole idea of people not really taking it seriously when you do give, say something nice to somebody. But also, I think that, like, I, I give out compliments and say nice things very sparingly. And I think there's a few reasons for that. One is a lot of times to me, it feels fake if you're just saying that something nice to somebody. And I want if I say something nice to somebody, I want to it to be actually sincere. But on the other hand, I look at um a lot of friendships and relationships I've had over the years. And I tend to, you know, I've been around lots of people who like to say nice things to me or give me compliments or say nice things to other people. 
And I wonder if because we don't reciprocate a lot of that, that it mm-hmm. makes those friendships and relationships hard to maintain. And I feel like because I don't show enough interest in other people's lives and give them, you know, kind of pick them up in a way or point out the nice things about them, that maybe that's the reason why I've struggled to maintain a lot of friendships or at least a contributing factor to it. Mm. And it very well could be. And, and uh, I, I completely empathize with what you're saying because I, I myself have had the struggles with that over the years. I don't think I'm amazingly good at it as of right now, but I've gotten much better at it. Um, and it is definitely one of those things that folks like us have tendency to struggle with is that reciprocation of things, right? Like in, in their world, in the NT world, right? They say nice things just to say them. And granted, me and you hear them, excuse me, or other people on the spectrum will hear it, and it sounds disingenuous, or it sounds fake or a lie. <clears throat> and uh, some of that is because they just kind of throw out compliments as if they're handing out candy on Halloween, right? It, yeah. it, it's here, have one, have one, have one. And right. so you don't really know if it's it's true. And then even for us, it's there's a level of that too, I think, for even us. I um, think it, I, have a, I have a good example. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not like an, an amazing example, but it illustrates the point. Okay. So we used to do karaoke quite a bit. Yeah. And sometimes, so if somebody came up to me and they said, oh, you know, you have a great voice or I like you singing that song, you know, depending on, it kind of depended on, I guess, the song and partly my performance. So if I feel like I did a pretty good job, I'll take the compliment. But there's times when I get up and I like I, I do bad or I butcher the song and someone says, oh, uh, uh, you you sound great or you did such a great job. And I'm like, because I don't believe him. Like, you're full of shit. I sound like crap. Um, and that's kind of how I feel. But the same thing, like I won't tell someone else, oh, you did great at a song if I think they did shitty. But I also don't want to tell them they did shitty. But I'm like, hey, you sound like <laughs> shit. Hey, you sound like ass. I'm not going to say that because it's rude. But. At the same time, I'm not going to be like, yeah, that was awesome. You, you sound great. Like if somebody right. has good energy, maybe I'll say like, right. oh, you know, that was that was great energy or whatever. Like, you know, like if they because karaoke is not all about like how good you sing. It's, it's about having fun. It's about entertaining the room. Right. Like people, there are people who are great at karaoke who aren't like amazing singers, but they know how to pick up the room or they pick songs yeah. that are fun. You know, so that's there's that aspect to it as well. You don't have to go into karaoke and be a professional fucking singer. Right. You just got to have some level of performance to it, some level of, uh, you know, drawing your crowd in a little bit. Um, that, that, that's and we've talked about this before, but that's one of the things that I dislike about working with theater people is they're always so quick to say, oh, my God, it's such a great job. No matter what the person did for a performance in a scene, even when rehearsing, oh, my God, that's so great. That's so great. Oh, you did such a great job. Even if the person screws up their lines left, right and center. I'm not one of those people either. I won't give a compliment just to make somebody feel better. Right. Well, um, at the I same think, token, you're setting somebody up for failure in that way. I think on the same token, when I, when there is something nice to say about somebody, I sometimes struggle to, uh, I struggle on that side too, like to, to find an appropriate time to say something or hmm. to say something at all. Cause some, maybe I'll notice that, Hey, this person's doing a good job with this, but I don't say anything. Right. Or, hey, this person's great at this, but I don't say anything. And 
Um, so that's something I also struggle with, too, is like actually opening my mouth to say something when somebody maybe does deserve some recognition or a compliment. Right. Um, I don't know. Years ago, I used to look at it this way. I used to try to find the right time to tell somebody they did well. I used to try to find the right time to tell somebody that uh, I appreciate them uh, for what they've just done or just in general to, to tell somebody I appreciate them for who they are. Um, and then somebody said to me, cause I, I got frustrated with it and I was, I was having a, a moment. Um, I was with a buddy and my buddy goes, is there ever really a good time or a right time to tell somebody something good? And that in itself made me kind of think about it of like, I'm always looking for the right time, but it's true. Just say it to them. If you, if you have the thought, if you want to say something to somebody, show some appreciation or, or show, show some love to somebody, just tell them whenever. Well, um, some, sometimes I wish I could I be my thinking. I, sometimes I wish I could be more like that person who just, you know, is, is more of a cheerleader and just says, Oh, great job. You guys are awesome. Whatever. Or, nice effort. But it just, it doesn't come to me naturally. So I feel like if I try to force myself to do it, it just sounds fake. Um, it took me a long time to change my habits to be a little bit more on that more positive, lighter side, always being able to see, you know, the, the positive spin to everything. It took me a long time to work myself into that. I am not naturally like that. Um, I, I, you know me, man, I'm, I'm far easier to roast somebody than I am to tell them that they're doing something nice. It's or just, find I find the I problems spend, with something instead of focusing right. on what's right with it. Well, what's wrong with it? But right. I think I, it takes for effort that, for me to do that, but I, I have worked my self into those habits. And I'm just speaking out of my ass because okay. this may not be gotcha. correct, but, uh, um, I, I can only speak for myself. I don't know about other yeah. people who are like us, but I think there's kind of a practical part to it. Uh-huh. But Absolutely. you can't treat people like machines or like <laughs> math problems. But there's this practicality part of it where it's like yeah. well, you focus on the yeah. wrong things because it's like I, I it's great that these things are good, but I'm always looking yeah. at like how can I make it better or what can I fix? Right. And I'm always looking to try to to make something better and more efficient or to make it look better, make this better. And so I zone in on like, what can we do to improve this? Or right. where, where are the weak points rather than focusing on what's good, which is also or important. What's working. Yeah. Which is also yeah. important. And it is. And I, and I will say that like I fall into that and I know, I know quite a few people who are on the spectrum who, who <laughs> fall into that kind of what you're talking about, that it's far easier for us to notice the deficits, if you will, deficits to something uh, and try to figure a way to improve them than it is for us to see what's working, what's going well. Because a lot of the times, at least it seems like when I'm reading stuff from other autists or talking to other autists, it seems like we don't mention those kinds of things readily because, well, there's nothing to do with them. There's no, there's no work to be done. There's, there's, well, it's already good where it's at. Why do we need to bring it up? But both sides need to be talked about. You know what I mean? Doing yeah. doing a pro con list, doing a, a good bad list is always a good idea because it also puts perspective on the things you're not doing well. Because if you got a list of like 30 things that you're doing really, really well, and you got a list of three things that you're not doing very well at, 
but you focus only on the three opposed to the 30, you really kind of walk yourself down into a real bad kind of place. And um, <clears throat> this kind of ties into it. I just thought of this now. We've talked about this before. This is another thing that's been, I've been kind of thinking about a lot is like on one hand, and I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this some at some point in one of the episodes, but on one hand, like technology and modern society is great. Like we have health, we have advances in like healthcare and all these things, like our life expectancy yep. is longer. But on the other hand, there's like a lot of negative things. And um, I was already thinking about this. And then one of our friends posted something on Facebook earlier that made me think about it again, which is she was talking about being burnt out. Okay. And I think a lot of it has to do with like um, we live in such a fast paced world and we have these complex jobs. We have complex machines. We have all these complex things. We have mortgages, all this shit to worry about. Right. And I think biologically humans are not made. And I don't mean made like by a God. I just mean like we're we're animals. Right. And we're not made yeah. for the world that we live in. So I feel like we have evolved beyond our biology. We're past where we're. So I think the reason why, because this is a neurotyp neurotypical person talking about like depression and burnout. Mm -hmm. um, I think like it, it wears down on people because I don't think yeah. we're made to handle all this shit. We have so much shit to worry about. We live in such a fast paced world, but like bi biologically, we're animals who were were, you know, our ancestors just fucking farmed or like gathered food and hunted and shit. They didn't have all these worries and stresses that we have. Yes. They had to worry about like shit eating them or killing them, <laughs> but like those are big worries, but like you had less things to worry about. Just like, right. Well, let's, there's all these, it's not about like how severe the things are. It's just how many things we have going on and like all these stupid things we worry about fucking bullshit holidays and Christmas shopping and Thanksgiving dinner. And I got to buy all this shit and I got to fucking pay my mortgage to pay the gas bill. I got to pay that. I got to go to work. I got to get up at fucking 5am and make my coffee and shave my asshole and all this stuff yeah. <laughs> that like human beings, I feel like we're not made to deal with this shit. And not only that, that's why we don't stop and think about this shit. It's going back to what you were talking about. As far as people sitting down and actually weighing, weighing things out and making a pro right. con list. I find that like over the last 20 years, I've stopped really thinking about things as deeply as I used to because I have all these distractions. I have my phone, I have yeah. TV, I have computer games. And I used to think about things more deeply and sit and like actually think about shit and work shit through mm -hmm. in my head, take an idea, break it apart. You know, the way philosophers and people like fucking um, uh, Jung and all these all these fucking guys used to like just sit around and think about shit. Nietzsche, all these people, uh, Freud, yeah. um, all these like, you know, proto intellectuals from the turn of the century and all these people would sit around yeah. and just think about shit. We don't do that anymore because we have too many fucking things that distract us and we don't make decisions or we don't come to ideas or form opinions based on any of our own thinking we're just listening to what people fucking tell us to do yeah and and so did they to a degree because they also had social influences and and conditionings and all of these other things on top of all the natural stuff that comes along with being human and having the mind that we have um and you're right there are a lot more stresses now and there's a lot more shit to pay attention to because like hell when we were back you know just having like uh, uh, small little villages and people were fucking farming for the most part. 
Like, I can't imagine there was a whole lot of men and women who were super concerned with how they look. I mean, yeah, right? you had like, to worry about that, like that itself puts a lot of stress. You had to worry on. about getting up and like, you know, getting the eggs from the chickens and farming. Right. But it was right. all basic, just like, yes, they had more disease. Yes, there was lots of bad things about living in those times. Yes, but at the same time, life was just simpler. And I feel like that's what I'm saying. There's on one hand, technology in a modern world is great. On the other hand, it sucks. Like, uh-huh. why, why do we worry about all this fucking shit? That's not important. Um, yes. Like, it, I, I, I have another another topic I wanted to bring up and it kind of segues into it, but I don't know if I want to get into it right now, but it's just like. Well, well, I've hold been on. Kind of hold verbal, on I've been you, verbal uh, diarrhea, just like yeah, spewing all of these thoughts onto you. Yeah, that's <clears> that's some of my favorite conversations with you is when you've got something in your mind and you just got all these different pieces that you're uh, talking through. Like it makes sense um, to me, but I'm jumping from topic to topic, but they're related in a way. Yeah, it's related I, to me. I, I can hear the connectivity to it. I, I'm with you on it. I'm with you. Um, I I will say this. Um, a lot of the distractions that we have nowadays and this this. I don't know how people are going to react to this. I don't know how you're going to react to it. I actually find that the the fact that we have so much more information at the ready, that at any given moment, we can look up anything we want, as much or as little of a certain topic as we want. I actually find that to be partially an issue. And the reason why I say it that way is because... Surface level. What? Because it's just surface level. People don't actually take time to think through it or read deeply into it. They just like you read a couple sentences on Wikipedia or you read a headline of an article and you're like, oh, see, as long as you confirm whatever your opinion is, you're you're fine. Right. And And that's part of it is the confirmation bias piece to it, as well as even if you spend three and a half hours straight looking up one topic, there might be something at the beginning of that topic that you missed didn't know you missed it. It's not that you made a mistake by missing it, but that you missed that would have put context on other things further down the line might've given you a different understanding of it further down the line than the information that you have. And I'll say this about when it comes to psychology, I've read psychology books and textbooks and in and out of school. I've read a ton of different books by different psychologists, different therapies, I've read a ton of it. That does not make me an expert in it at all. A, I didn't go to school and get a master's think, degree. Also, My knowledge also, has never been has never been challenged. But the reason why I'm bringing that up is because when I hear people talk about certain sight concepts, when I hear people talk about the way their mind works or the way they think their mind works, they make these assumptions about it because they have this much information. It's the iceberg and effect. What? Like the iceberg effect. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, and, or the and Dunning-Kruger. Dunning-Kruger, which I talked to you before. Yeah. Like you, learn a, you learn a little bit about something and then you think you know everything and then you realize at right. some point, holy shit, I don't know anything. Well, I mean, if you come to the realization of it, and that's the thing, though, is like, especially with uh, uh, folks in the autism community, um, <clears throat> when it comes to some of what you're talking about, like there are assumptions that are made about how NTs behave, how autistic people behave, how we think about the world. And then there are people who are saying, well, we have this black and white thinking thing. We can't do anything about it. Well, that's not completely true. It's a cognitive distortion that was outlined and identified uh, fucking 40, 50, 60 years ago. 
actually maybe 70 years ago. I don't remember exactly how long ago. And neurotypicals do that shit all the time, too. Yeah. Because we're all human. I mean, yeah. base premise, we're all human. So there are certain things that cognitively we all we, do. We've talked about that, about how like social media yeah. kind of ex, uh, exaggerates or it, yes. it uh, exacerbates it. Exacerbates yeah. a lot of that. The um, yeah. all or nothing because of the tribal, the tribal nature of it, like people falling into their little camps. Um, and, and me and you were kind of unique in the sense of like me and you were more than willing to read what other people have to say. We don't just read to confirm what we believe. We don't automatically only read stuff that, you know, is similar to what we already know. We actually go out of our way to read other people's points of view and to look up things that might challenge what we just read. Not a lot of people actually do that. Um, at least from my experience, not a lot of people actually do that, uh, but we do. But in that, that also adds more stresses because if you're convincing yourself that the way you think you can do nothing about, then no solution anybody puts uh, presents in front of you will ever satisfy. Like one of the things recently for me that I, that I read, and I think it has something to do with this is uh, people were, were complaining about different types of therapies and how they don't work for autistic people. Well, for one, we don't know if they do or they don't. Here's what we do know, though, is certain therapies are designed a certain way to help people with certain things. That's the simplistic, the most simplistic way to word that I think. And in that, the practitioner who you sit with, the therapist you sit with, depending on how they feel about something, depending on how they view their role in things, that can drastically change how it's going to, how effective that's going to be with the person who's seeking therapy. Um, but people shit on the therapy, not the therapist. And, and like being somebody who has as much faith in therapy as I do and as much faith as I have in the different techniques and whatnot and the, the, the different types of therapies, I, I will never fault the therapies themselves. I always fault the practitioner because the practitioner is the one that can either help you along with whatever it is that you're going there for, or they're the ones who can actually fuck up your entire shit and make it so you don't want to ever see a fucking therapist and then you're lost on your own fucking shit. Anyway, I know that's kind of a stray a little bit away from what you were talking about, but I think that that kind of has something to do with it too, because that's one of those added stressors is people thinking there's something wrong with them when there isn't really anything wrong with them there. They just don't necessarily know how the mind works per se. Yeah. Am I straying too far off topic here? No, I just don't really know how to, what to say in response to that. No, no, you're good. You're good. Um, I was watching this video the other day and it was about this guy who killed his family. And on the surface, he was like, everything seemed fine. He did really nice things for his daughter and his wife. And I guess in his mind, he had never advanced past adolescence, like mentally. So he had this like fantasy about uh, going and living out in the woods as a teenager. Uh And I don't know. I don't know what the what the psychological term for it is, but he basically was stuck in a um, the mindset of a like a teen being um, obsessed with certain desires or goals. I forget what they call uh-huh. it. There was a there was a uh, psychologist who had analyzed this guy or whatever and talked about it. Yeah, yeah. like post humorously analyzed him. 
<clears throat> yeah, but basically he was harboring all of these desires that he wasn't wasn't able to fulfill. And then right. at some point he started to resent his family, even though on the surface everything seemed fine. And he was secretly plotting to kill them. And he built a bunker in the woods and all this. But the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, this is why people just need to go to therapy. <laughs> yeah. Because <clears throat> like this guy spent thousands and thousands of dollars in months building a bunker in the woods to go right. kill his family and go live in the woods when it would have been a lot cheaper just to go to a therapist and work some of that shit out. But yes, yes, it would have. Um, I, like so I when people talk about stuff like toxic that, masculinity, which I think is yeah. my problem with the term toxic masculinity is not that I don't think it, I don't, I, I don't think that it doesn't exist. I think that it right. does exist. The problem I have is I think people use it to describe lots of behavior that like they just apply it to everything. Like everything's well, toxic I, I masculinity. Um, but that is one thing that I would say probably is a form of toxic masculinity is just like guys refusing to get any sort of help. And then yeah, you that see is one these, of the traits to it. You see one these acts of violence, this guy killing his family when he could have or should have just reached out for help. And instead he ended up killing his daughter and his wife because he fucking snapped. Well, I mean, if you think about like, obviously I don't know this human <clears throat> being, but based on just what you said, the dude held resentments because he wanted to do X. He blamed his family <clears throat> for him not being able to do X and the simplest explanation to be able to achieve what he wanted to achieve was get rid of the thing that was stopping him well, from getting there. There was like, some other version. Um, like his wife ended up getting sick and she couldn't work anymore. So he was taking care of her financially and taking care of his daughter. And oh. I, he started to resent because like he was making all this money and all the money went to his wife and his daughter. And I guess he was secretly resented the fact that he wasn't able right. to do any of the things that he wanted to do because he was basically stuck in a situation taking care of them. And yeah, that's I mean, why that's a tough, are so damn important. I'm, <clears throat> that's a tough situation I'm to be in, but at the very, same time, like you should go talk to somebody about it, <laughs> but yes, you should, you, you should identify the fact that it is stressful as fuck for you and uh, seek out help. Even if it's, even if it's going and talking to a buddy and just being <clears throat> like, Holy crap, I don't know what the hell is going on. So it's like, uh, there's a YouTube channel called Explore With Us, which is where I watched this video. And the reason why this particular one is very interesting is the guy documented all of it. He documented before, he documented all of his time building the bunker in the woods. He documented oh, all the crap. time before he killed his family. And then he, he documented. No, he didn't document it afterwards, but he documented everything leading up to the murders. So oh, they have all these videos of this guy talking, like working through his thoughts. And it was like the camera was like his therapist. He's like talking out loud to this camera and there's nobody around. Right. He's in the woods just talking about all these things that are bothering him. Oh, shit. So that's what made it interesting. Yeah. I mean, the the downside to, you know, talking to a camera or journaling, uh, the downsides to those is there is no feedback. Like there's, yeah. there's no one to kind of point out in your words or in the words that you just used, like, where your thinking might be going astray. And I don't mean wrong. I don't mean that your thinking is wrong per se. I just mean where there, there could be an issue in the thinking itself. Cause sometimes we talk ourselves into some shit. Oh, well, that's an example of that actually. So going back to <clears throat> yeah. people not really yeah. thinking about things, right? The only thing that's really been on my mind. So this is, this is, this kind of has a, a long setup. So it's kind of complicated. 
Okay. Um, this is topic number two. Many, many years. It's it. Yes. It's kind of, it's yeah. not related to the compliments thing, but okay. it is related to the whole, we were talking about not really people, not really thinking about things or yeah. pro con list or whatever, working through ideas. Right. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, many, many years ago, mm-hmm. I used to be, <laughs> this is going to seem like kind of weird topic to bring up. I used to be very pro death penalty when I was younger. Okay. Many, many years ago, I changed my mind on the topic. And a lot of that had to do with different things I learned and also just kind of a moral question. So you can look at it from different ways. One is like the moral question, is it right for us to do it? Is it wrong? And then there's some of the practical, like, is it cheaper to keep them in prison or is it cheaper to put them on death row? Um, And then the other practical question is like, well, what if we kill somebody who's innocent? Mm -hmm. Um. There's a television show I used to really like, and I've been watching it again recently. It's on uh, Amazon or it's on Premiere Plus. Uh, Premiere, what is it? Premiere Plus? Is that what it's called? What? Paramount Plus. Sorry. Oh, Paramount. Paramount. Yeah. Yeah. It's on Paramount Plus. It's a Showtime show. It's bullshit. Penn and Teller. Oh, yeah. Um, If you've never watched it, I suggest I would recommend watching all the seasons. They're all really good. You might not agree with all of it, but they have really good. I think well thought out takes on things and they do research about all the topics they cover. Um, but one thing they said during the death penalty episode where they were talking, they're against the death penalty. They're like very libertarian. So they're like, they're pro gun, but anti death penalty and like pro second amendment, like pro prostitution. So like they're a lot of, like it's hard to put them in a box politically because they're, they're just generally pro like, Hey, stay out of people's business. Yeah. With the death penalty, Penn said something that I hadn't really thought about before when it comes to the death penalty. And what he said was, if there's been a hundred and this is when the show was filmed, which was like 2000. This particular episode is like 2007, 2008. As of 2007, 2008, there have been 121 people that we know of who had been taken off of death row because we found out that they shouldn't have been there in the first place. Okay. We don't know a figure of how many people have actually been executed who shouldn't have been. I don't know the number. But what he said was, if the state kills somebody who doesn't deserve to be killed, the state is killing that person on our behalf. Uh huh. So that kind of makes us all culpable. If you live in a state or you support the death penalty, that kind of makes you culpable in the murder of an innocent person. Which right. I hadn't really thought about because we always think about the state as like an entity or the government as an entity, but the state and the government are representatives for us. And when a prosecutor prosecutes somebody and a judge sentences that person to death, they're doing it on behalf of the people, on behalf of the state. And if we yeah. kill an innocent person, those people are culpable in that. It makes us culpable. It makes us responsible for that person, innocent person's death. And I yes. hadn't really thought about that before. I thought about like the not killing an innocent person thing, but I never thought about it from the perspective of it's our responsibility because they're killing that person on our behalf. Right. We voted people into office. Those people made laws. They support said laws and somebody is executing somebody based on that law. Yes. We, we, we all have a responsibility to everything that happens in the country itself. But the reason I wanted to talk about this and why it ties into some of the other things is there is kind of this knee jerk emotional response. A lot of people have 
when it comes to things like uh, crime and punishment. And I believe we right. have talked about on the on that previous episode, maybe about prison, about how people kind of see it as a punishment rather than like rehabilitation, rehabilitation. Yes. Yeah. And there's this idea that like an eye for an eye, kind of like the Bible, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't yeah, the Old Testament eye for an eye. Yeah. Well, that's how people feel. They feel like if you murder somebody, you should be killed as well. And a lot of people yeah. feel that way. Um, I don't know what the, if you were to, to pull it now, I know like many years ago, let's say like going 15, 16 years ago, it was about half of Americans or 50 to 60% of people supported the death penalty. I don't know how many people nowadays, but it, I've been thinking really about that. Like the whole idea of just killing an innocent person, mm-hmm. the moral culpability of it. And also just like the, the fact that people don't really think through this stuff. They just have like an emotional gut feeling about well, this person did something bad. They need to be punished for it. I, right. just, I don't like that. Like right. somebody going and doing something horrible. I don't think morally, and this is just a question of your opinion or morality. I don't think that that is enough to justify killing somebody else. I also found out some fucked up stuff about some of the methods of execution that they use. Oh, okay. Like apparently um, lethal injections. Uh, the process was invented by a Nazi, and the first the first part of lethal injection is they give you this uh, sodium something or other that's supposed to like knock you out. Uh huh. So you're supposed to be unconscious. The second part of it is uh, they give you something to stop your breathing, yeah. stop your lungs. Yeah, it's a paralytic if I remember Para- correctly. Yeah. And then the third part yeah. is they give you something that stops your heart. The chemicals right. I don't remember what the chemicals are, but apparently. Um, there was a study done years ago, uh, and they they looked at I think like fifty or sixty people who had been executed by the death penalty mm-hmm. by lethal injection, and they found that like forty something of the people had not been given enough of the sedative, so they were awake for the whole thing, which means oh they're laying there for two or three minutes with their lungs and everything paralyzed and unable to react or respond and show that they can't breathe, but they're just sitting there suffocating and unable to move. Yes. Which I think is kind of fucked up. Uh, yes. And um, by the by many laws, if you were to compare laws in most states, um, it's actually more humane the way we put down animals. Yes. Yes, it is. Than the way <laughs> yeah. we put down people. There's actually more laws and regulations on putting down euthanizing animals like in a uh-huh. hospital versus the way that we put down human beings because they yeah. don't always check to make sure the person has enough of the sedative to actually be knocked out unconscious. No, they just um, give them a, an amount. The reason they found that out was they did autopsies on a lot of the people. So they, they put them down, they, you know, they execute them and then they do autopsies. And there right. was a study done on a bunch of autopsies of people who had been and they found that a a majority of them were not even given enough sedatives so that they were awake for the whole fucking thing. But they couldn't yeah. show you that they were awake because they're paralyzed. Which right. I can understand, like some of these people are probably fucking horrible human beings, but just the fact sure. that we're doing that is fucked up to me. When when we're supposedly on the higher moral ground and yet we're essentially torturing this person to death. Yes. Like yeah. You imagine just laying there being strapped down and not being able to move and just your lungs stop and you can't do anything. Yeah. Um, I years ago, I used to make the joke that, uh, you know, a bullet's cheaper. Yeah. Um, it's also far more humane Probably. to shoot somebody in the face. If you were to shoot them in the head, some of these other things, if you did it correctly, 
they would die right. pretty much instantaneously. Yeah. Yeah. Versus the lethal injection, if you fuck it up, they're basically just suffocating and they're awake the whole time. Yes. I mean, uh, with with uh, electrocution, uh, voltage passes through the body until the body stops. Yeah, and they botched it and fucked it up a bunch of times in different cases where right. there was a guy who they executed by electric chair and um, they did something wrong and his head caught on fire. And the Ooh. skin from his head melted onto his T-shirt. Oh, before God. He died. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, sorry, it's just something like, I've been thinking about a lot. Like all these we talked to, like over the last few episodes a lot about like morality. Yeah. We talked about um, these are like common themes of things we've been talking about for the last few weeks. Right. But it's just something that's been on my mind is like the way Treatment that of other people. Yeah. Like it's all these, these fucked up things that we do to people. Right. And I mean, it, I, it even ties into the stuff going on in, the, in like the Middle East and just how we dehumanize people. Well, it, because it's so and this is going to sound probably effed up, but it's easier to other somebody and just call them the name of that group than it is to identify them as a human being. Um, in, in lesser forms of this, um, people talk about the government, the government is doing this or that to them. Well, the person who works at the town hall, who's part of government, they didn't have anything to do with some law that Congress passed. Um, but yet people are like, well, you work for the government, you work for the man. Um, the government did this. Well, that government is made up of a whole lot of people who work for it who didn't have nothing to do with whatever it is you feel the government did against you, but people still take it out on them because they're part of the government. Um, same thing. Like people, people talk really, really shitty about like CEOs uh, of companies, but they never really call them by their name. They just call them CEOs. Those billionaire assholes, those one percenters. Once we give somebody a, a, a name like that, a label, if you will, we can immediately write off whatever we're saying as those people deserve it. And it's the same kind of propaganda bullshit that caused people to turn on their neighbors in Germany, that caused people to turn in their uh, 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 Japanese neighbors here in the United States to put them in internment camps. Uh, it's the same kind of bullshit. It's it's stripping somebody of their individuality, their humanity, the thing that makes us all the same. Isn't that just so we isn't can that why a lot of people kind of fear collectivism in a way? Because yeah. part of the problem that I see, like we talked about, I think in some ways, like a socialist or communist society would be better for autistic people, especially yeah. if we lived in kind of a Star Trek utopian world where we didn't have to worry about basic necessities of life. Like you're provide everything's provided for. Right. But if the problem when you get into a lot of these collectivist ideologies, uh-huh, is the that whole othering, like the putting people in the categories. It's why things went <clears throat> south in a lot of um societies that attempted to be collectivist. They put people in a boxes and it's like, oh you're rich, you're bad, or you're a landowner, you're bad, or you're this, you're bad. I mean it happened in uh, I'm talking about, you know, like China and uh, what happened in the Soviet Union and all these places oh, or even okay. even in the fascist okay. countries, like what what they did in um, in fascist countries or, or uh, you know, Nazi Germany and in Italy. Yeah. 
you just you're putting people into boxes. It's very collectivist. The same thing with um because if you look at the the whole the whole concept of Marx, right? Yeah. Is drawing these lines, drawing these categories of people. X person is the bourgeoisie or is the X yep. person is the is a, a rich person, is an exploiter. And X right. person uh, is the exploited. Proletariat and the bourgeoisie. Yeah. That one person's exploited and the other person is the exploiter. Yes. <clears throat> and it's always it that doesn't mean, It doesn't mean that there's not truth to any of that. But the problem is people will have a hard time just applying. And I've talked to you about this before and I've mentioned on the episode. I think that you need to look at ideas and ideologies as like tools in a toolkit. You get a yes. toolbox. You use the right thought process or the right idea depending on what the situation is. Same thing with political ideology. I think sometimes yeah. some sometimes maybe we need to listen more to uh, the liberals or Democrats. Sometimes we need to listen more to conservatives. Sometimes we mm -hmm. need to listen more to the libertarians or the, the Green Party folk. I don't, don't think that one ideology is right all the time. No, I don't think it could be. And I don't, I don't think one ideology for anything could be a hundred percent correct a hundred percent of the time. But people take, uh, these people take these things and they take them to extremes. They take them too far. Oh, yeah. and I think that's the problem. And it's the reason why a lot of attempts at socialism and communism haven't worked out is because people take it to these extremes and they can't just, right. you can't separate, especially if you're angry and you're emotional, kind of like, yep. you know, people wanting to put someone to death because they killed their, their, their child. Right. That's the whole reason why we have a legal system, because if you yeah. if somebody murdered one of your kids, you'd want to go and kill that person. But we've right. decided as a society that that's not how we want to work. We need a third party. The state comes in and settles the matter yep. right? because we're supposed to be above that. Supposedly. Um, I, I agree with you. I, unfortunately the othering effect, no matter what society you want to talk about, no matter what, uh, uh, governmental system is in charge, no matter what, you know, uh, uh, societal expectations or, or rules they have othering happens, period. Like there's not a single country on the planet where there is not an othering effect because that's what people do. Unfortunately, people like their generalities. Uh, people like their prejudices. I know that sounds funny when I say that, that people like their prejudices, but they're comfortable with them. Um, and even and even the most highly enlightened, educated, empathetic, you know, give a shit about everybody person, there's still somebody, there's still a group that they look down on, like, that they push aside. There's, um, I am by no it, means an expert on... I'm by no means an expert on China, but China has like 37, 38 different ethnic groups. Yeah. And the majority ethnic group is Han, Han Chinese. Uh -huh. And if you're not Han, you're kind of looked down upon. In fact, right. they persecute a lot of the minority groups. Um, by they, I mean like mostly the stuff that the Chinese government has done. Um, but okay. it's social engineering. It started yeah. with, with Mao, with like the cultural revolution and all that stuff. But you know, they basically, if you're not Han Chinese, you're not cool. You know, it's like, um, and what they, what they've done, like persecuting the, 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 the Uyghurs, which are like a is Islamic Muslim minority group, but there's all these different okay. minority groups in there. They're all treated like shit for the most part. Like if you're not Han, then you're not like, I don't, I'm not an expert in China. Like I said, I'm just saying these are things that I've, I've read about. So I can't tell right. you a lot of specifics. Obviously we know what they did to Tibet. We know what they've done to the Uyghurs. Um, 
Right. And this is I based mean, on like every, stuff that I read in talking to people who yeah. have who have come from China. Well, every every country has a bad history with treating some group of people yeah. like they're oh, and I'm not I'm not calling out China to deflect from like shit no. the United States has done to people. No, no, no. Every I'm every country is an it. example. Yeah, every single country's done it. Uh, they will probably always do it. I'm sorry, I'm a little bit of a, a defeatist in that way. It's just it's part of what being human is, is we identify a group of people that we do not agree with. And sometimes that disagreement or or that less than agreement turns into a severe fucking dislike. Um, so on that note. A. Um, what do you think people can do about it? Well, that's part of the reason why I've been thinking about things so much is because I guess it, it kind of gets me depressed thinking about all these things that I really don't have much control over. And it's not like I can go around and change people's minds or make people think more about things. But like in, in my opinion. And, you know, once again, I'm, I'm not an expert. Serenity prayer, sir. Serenity prayer. Uh, in my opinion, the best way to deal with it depends on the thing. Like if you're talking about racism and bigotry, I think the best way to deal with that stuff is through exposure, um, intermingling, you know, uh -huh. go meet somebody. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're somebody who is, has a lot of prejudices or, um, bias against certain people, go spend some time with those people. Well, so that's one of the interesting things about it though, is people are, are, most of the time unaware of their biases and prejudices. And if you can't see your prejudices, you're definitely not going to know if you're yeah. sexist or if you're uh, racist or if you're any of the other is out there. Yeah. Um, you're like, not going to know that. Like if you're, um, uh, if you're a male who's um, misogynistic or you're a yeah. chauvinist or whatever, go read like some books by some prominent feminist, get the female you perspective. You wouldn't necessarily know that you are misogynistic. No, somebody will call that's part you of the it, problem but that doesn't mean you are per se and then you have Just people like somebody has that opinion people like daryl davis which i've talked about several times the guy who goes and like yep. converts yep. clan mem clan members and unfortunately most people aren't like that and they're not going to spend a lot of their own personal time to try to educate or you know convert people who have prejudices or biases you know he goes out right. of his way to do it but most people aren't going to do that or don't have time to do that well, I, I would say from my own experiences of putting myself into uncomfortable situations to get to know and understand other people's points of view, everybody has the time. People don't necessarily see the opportunity. Or it's like uh, it's much easier to just write them off. You know, like if somebody's a if somebody's yes. racist, you can mm -hmm. say, oh, that person's a racist asshole. I don't want to talk to them. Right. It's way easier for us to say. I'm right. You're wrong. That's all there is to if it. Somebody is misogynist and we say, Hey, how come you, you know, how come you treat women the way you do? And they're like, what do you mean? Or right. whatever, talking, having a conversation with them or cause usually it, I mean, it doesn't happen overnight, right? You, you have a conversation right. with somebody, but it, it takes, usually it takes some sort of olive branch. You have to actually have a conversation with the person, listen to their points of view and try to figure out where it's coming from and then plant a seed, plant an idea yeah. in their head. And then that idea kind of festers and it grows kind of like right. what Daryl does with the Ku Klux Klan members. If somebody's listening, uh -huh. and hasn't heard me talk about him before. He's a really cool guy. He makes friends with people in the clan and collects their hoods once he becomes like their best buds. 
he basically <laughs> makes best friends with all these clansmen, and then he's a black guy, obviously. He's a black guy, he makes friends with all these clansmen, collects their hoods, and then they stop like you know, they can't be racist. They can't be members of the clan anymore. Once they, their best friend is a fucking black guy. They're like, Oh, well, I'm a fucking idiot. But most of them, most of these guys who are in the clan, they don't know any black people. They haven't had any black friends. They haven't really been exposed to it. They just right. look at black people from a distance. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will say that that's one thing. A lot of folks who, who live in larger cities, uh, a lot of a lot of the younger people who live in rather densely populated suburban and urban areas, they don't understand that there are parts of this country where you can go 100 miles without finding somebody who is of a different ethnicity. Yeah. I mean, and I don't even just mean different race, even just different ethnicity. There are parts of the country, especially like the Midwest and the, the mountain area and the central mountain area. There are towns tons of towns where all it is is mostly like polish german immigrants who founded those towns and those families just kept living there and there's not a whole lot of new people in that area so like you being somewhat portuguese or or me marrying into a portuguese family if we went there and talked about anything of that culture of portuguese like fuck they'd be like whoa what do you mean oh what are you talking about mozambique shrimp like it would be drastically different than what they're used to. Yeah. And so like, but there are still places in this country where it's like that. And, and so it's everything like going to Canada is, and putting seasoning on your food. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You're right there. A little bit of pepper maybe. Um, but there are, and on the flip side of that, there are places in the country where the only reference to country music to, to like country living, uh, rural living, is references to people being racist. Yeah. Right? Like, that's the other thing, too, is there are people on all sides of this who do not have exposure to anybody else, but they're also not seeking out the exposure to learn of anybody else. Now, to tie this into our population, people who are on the spectrum, and we read this stuff a lot, they, they kind of don't seem to understand the NT world super, super well. I know me and you have our own struggles with dealing with NTs uh, at times or other people who have other different neurodivergencies. And the thing about that is we can only know what we have. And if we're not stepping outside of our own thought process and trying to figure out from their point of view, and the only way to figure out from their point of view is to ask them. But if we're not doing that, we're going to continue to be lost in it. And actually, I read somebody earlier today uh, who said, why do we have to be the ones who are always having to change what we do? <clears throat> On one hand, we have to change and we have to learn their way because we are the minority. Because we have, there is not a hell of a lot of us. Okay? For one. Two... Well, we it's, also, it's also it. more pragmatic. It's it's that's that's where I'm going with it. It's easier to yeah, that's try where I'm to, going. With that. It's easier for us to try to alter some of our behavior rather than try to explain to everybody or to get people who have no exposure to autistic people to get like to explain and get them to be OK right. with adjusting to certain things because they don't fucking they don't know they're, they're ignorant right. on it because they don't know. But I think it's more of a give and take i think that there needs to be more 
general knowledge and awareness. Maybe people just need to learn more about it. And I don't know what the solution to that is. Maybe just over time, they teach more about uh, mental health in school. Maybe they need to teach more about different conditions that people have, whether it not just um, being on the spectrum or neurodivergencies, but just maybe just mental health things in general. Just this person has this or people who have this condition and somebody who, you know. So the, the down and, and I, in a general way, I agree with you and I've, and I've seen people talk about that and discuss how that would work or whatnot. But every time somebody talks about that, I get left with the same thought, which is this. If you describe any uh, mental health difference, any, any difference in autism or, or ADHD or bipolar schizophrenia, uh, any of that stuff, if you describe the diagnostic criteria to somebody, because there's really no other way of describing how people who have these differences uh, are going to behave or what to look out for or what they go through. If you describe it to somebody, that's all they're going to know. They're not going to know all the different variations, all the different, you know, nuances to all of it. Well, I think that's where the culture comes in too. You, you, you can't teach that. But what we can teach but, though, is we don't have to teach specifics. What we can teach people is an understanding of humanity first, of we are all human first and foremost. Here's how humans behave, and we come in a wide range of variety. And so that might be something we teach because that's something that, and for once I'm going to use this statement, that's not something I learned in school. Um, I, I, a lot of people say that about history stuff, but like, to me, that's something to truly focus on in like middle school and high school is teaching people that people do not come in three flavors, that Baskin Robbins is really how humanity works. 31 fucking flavors plus. Yeah, but I think um, I think that the culture helps with that kind of with with as far as when it comes to autism, and like neurodivergency and mental health differences and all that. The uh-huh. cult, culture, pop culture in particular, helps with that stuff. It's us doing a podcast like this. Well, yeah. um, if we had more mainstream appeal, let's say we slowly start to branch out and cover more topics and we get more neurotypical people listening to it, but also keep autism as a running background theme or something involved in it. Yeah. But people get more exposed to some of those things. It's um, having more realistic autistic characters in TV shows and movies that exposes people to some of those differences. And yeah, it's not like you're never going to have a perfect representation for all autistic people in a movie or anything, but just the general exposure to people who are different, it helps you empathize and helps you learn more about those people. Like if you, if you sit around and you make fun of people who are DD, right. Uh huh. But then you watch a movie or you, you um, get really invested into a show and one of the prominent characters is DD maybe you feel a little more sympathy, a little more empathy because it exposes you to more about those types of people that maybe you hadn't really thought about before because you didn't take the time to think about it or you didn't take the time to invest any emotion into it. Um, That's why when I talk about exposure, it's exposure in different ways. I think the best way to get over that bullshit is to go talk to those people. Like, you know, you used to to like to go to um, tent cities and talk to people on the street or talk to homeless people. Get out and fucking meet people. I mean, I, well, that's difficult for a lot of autistic people is going out and just talking to people because I don't like doing that either. 
but I'm talking about just people in general, just being exposed to people who are so different that, than them. That's the other thing too, is like when people talk about making change with some of this stuff, when it comes to like our expectations, our understandings about other people, um, everybody said, Oh, excuse me. I'm so sorry. I was trying to hold that. I couldn't hold it any longer. Anyway. Okay. A lot of the times the person who, no, let me change that. Um, a lot of the times people don't go out and talk to somebody, but the person that they might need to talk to also is not reaching out Good God, I'm so sorry. Oh. You know what? I started the episode saying I had COVID, all right? I'm sneezing a lot today. Maybe it's allergies. I don't know. Anyway. I think the, the key takeaway seems to be that people just need to spend more time thinking about things. <clears throat> Wait, hold, hold on. Hold on. Hold. I don't, I don't want to leave it at think about things because, unfortunately, well, no. if we're left to our own devices, and we only have X amount of information to begin with. We're going to draw conclusions and we're going to come up with rationales that might not be a totality, that might not be correct even. Because we only have just so much information. I think we need another hippie movement. All right. Everybody just unplug. Get rid of all your cell phones. Wow. Let's go live in the woods, not cut our hair, not bathe. Kumbaya around a fire. We'll pick berries. We'll hunt. All right. All right. All right. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you know, I feel like because people, of all the hold on. No, what I talked yeah, about yeah. earlier with all the the extra stressors and all the extra bullshit in people's lives that they worry about that's not important. Yeah. What if we actually lived in a more utopian world where a lot of this bullshit that we worry about that's not important was gone? We didn't have to worry about all this other shit. Like some of it, <clears throat> like if we didn't have to worry about um a lot of financial stuff. You didn't have to worry about watching the new season of fucking Gordon Ramsay, whatever it is. If you get rid of all that and we just interacted more with people, we thought through ideas. We actually were alone with our thoughts for a while. We actually sat and instead of, instead of listening to a podcast or listening to music while you're working out or taking a shit while playing a video game or uh, listening to something while you're taking a shower, you actually sat alone with your fucking brain and thought Imagine that. Yeah, that didn't really help nobody in the past. <sighs> oh, oh, hold on, hold on. And no, no, I'm not against what you're saying because I think people need to have time to themselves where they do step away from some of that jazz. And actually think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. People need some fucking time to fucking get to know them fucking selves because we've got way too many distractions now. But all of those grand pontificators that you brought up at the beginning of all of this, all the all of those philosophers and psychologists and shit, or even people, people like Einstein, think, who, what I said, or even people like Einstein, like a lot of the ideas he had, he did a lot of it in his head. He had time to sit and think about shit. He was also a fucking slob, but. Yeah, I was about to say, dude also had some social <laughs> issues. In fact, some people are automatically putting him in, in the world of autism anyway. But been, like, but... dude wrote shit constantly. Like, he wasn't really left to his own thoughts. No. No, but the he concepts he came up with a lot of, it started in his head. He came up with these ideas and then he put them on paper. But he, he, he thought, I'm not saying that all of us are going to be fucking Einstein who had like 150 IQ. No, no, no. I don't think that's I'm what you're saying. saying. That I think that people don't take 
much of any time at all anymore to think because we have, it's so I, easy to I just agree. pick up your phone and check Facebook or check YouTube, or whatever, right. which I, I mentioned all this earlier, but it, it ties into what you're saying now. I just think that yeah. we all as human beings, I feel like we need to connect with ourselves and with other people more. And I agree with that second part. People need to connect with other people a little bit more often, not just read something on uh, Facebook, watch somebody's video on ticker talker, uh, not just listen to two people on a podcast, but actually talk to somebody about what that podcast was about. Right. Have a conversation with another human being because there is a supreme benefit to saying something, an opinion out loud and having your buddy, your friend, your partner, your, your, your brother, your sister, uh, even the random person you meet that you happen to be talking to about some random podcast you watched, there is a benefit to having them go. Yeah. I think you're fucking wrong. There is a benefit to it. Not, not in the sense of like to put you down, but there's a benefit to it because then a conversation can be had because then both of you can bounce ideas off of each other and come to a much better middle ground about an, an idea opposed to this, what we have right now. It seems like everybody is just convinced that their opinion is the only valid one that exists. Right. But and, it, and it's, Absolutely Nick, correct because we think it. I think that's where the reflection time comes in because if you have those conversations, if you have conversations and you're actually taking the time to read or learn about things that may be different yeah. from what you actually believe, you still need time to actually process it and reflect on it. Like how right. many people actually take time to, to sit and reflect and process things besides the time that they're in the shower in the morning or their drive to work? Like how many people actually spend any time thinking about things or processing interactions that they've actually had throughout the day because it's so easy to just put on something else to occupy your mind instead of thinking about something. Oh, or processing. I, I'm actually, I, I super love the fact that I can just watch TV all day because so I will say this. I'm the kind of person that would overly obsess about interactions that I've had with other people would overly rehearse you know, upcoming conversations that I'm going to have with people, I would overdo it to the point where my expectation of those conversations, those interactions was way skewed out of. I, mean, I, I used to do that too, especially before I had more distractions, but we're also just talking about people in general. And even with us maybe being a little bit obsessive about that kind of stuff, I think it's yeah. still healthy to reflect on things once in a while and to, to think about and process yeah. Uh, like you may say something that I disagree with and you might, maybe we get into like a debate or an argument about it. But then if I take like time later on that day and, and I'm sitting around and I'm thinking about it, the, the time that I do a lot of reflection or thinking is like when I'm cooking or cleaning or doing something with my hands. That doesn't, right, right. When you're doing something more monotonous. It doesn't require a lot of mental energy. Like if yeah. I'm just wiping down the fucking counter or I'm chopping up vegetables, I'm not really doing too right. much thinking about what I'm doing. So that's when I reflect on a lot of these ideas. Uh, if I had a conversation with him, like well, maybe Nick's right about that certain thing. Or let me try to understand where he's coming from, from his perspective. If I was him, like, I don't know. I just think in general, we need more of that kind of stuff. And I I'm with you in a general way, Steve. And, and I'm, I'm with you on it. I think there's a benefit to people thinking for themselves and kind of having that time to let themselves process. But I also think there's a benefit to having a buddy that you can say some stupid shit to and your buddy goes, well, 
but what about this? Right. I don't, I don't know if you ever did this when you were younger, me and a, a buddy used to do it on a regular basis. And then I got into it when I would hang out with these older guys, they were in their sixties or seventies. They would hang out at a Dunkin' Donuts on a Sunday morning and I used to go and get coffee with them. Um, but they would just sit around and talk, right? Nobody was check, nobody was fact checking Google and nobody was, you know, double checking nothing. It was just a bunch of people bullshitting for the most part, right? But you'd get some ideas thrown out there and somebody would say something ignorant about the, uh, about a topic and then somebody else would be like, nah, I don't think that's true. Here's why I think that. But that's, that's a statement right. that I heard a lot was, well, here's why I think it. There was never, no, you're wrong and here's why. It was, well, let me tell you how what I think about it, right? I think it's important for people to have their opinions and beliefs challenged once in a while. Yes, me I too. Think we've become, and by we, I just mean, what was that? I think in general, uh, we we live in a society now where people are, they don't want to. It's so easy to not have your ideas challenged because you can right. fall into those echo chambers and just hang out with people who agree with you on everything. But it, how do you know that like a lot of people, if you actually have a conversation with somebody about a topic and let's say it's uh -huh. something controversial or something big, like we were talking earlier about the uh, death penalty. Yeah. You have a conversation with somebody who's pro death penalty and actually right. ask them some questions about their opinion. And a lot of times yeah. you'll find out that people don't even know why the fuck they believe what they believe or they don't have anything. They think they do, they, but it's a feeling. They have an emotional right. connection to right. the opinion. But yeah. if you actually ask them some questions about like, well, why do you feel that way? Or what do you think? And they, they don't fucking know. They just like, well, right. I feel like it's right. Okay. Well, have you actually thought about right. it or thought through it? So a lot of people are not used to having any of their ideas or opinions challenged. And I understand right. it can be triggering or it can be annoying to people to have their quick, to have their sure. opinions challenged, but it is healthy. I think to have your ideas challenged once in a while, right. because sometimes you realize you're fucking wrong or other times maybe you're not wrong, but maybe you refine your your thought process or your opinion a little bit. Maybe you you come up with a better version of your argument for whatever it is you believe, right. or you change your mind slightly on a part of it because, well, this person is wrong about this, but they actually, you know, they had a good idea or a good concept there. And, and I, I can integrate that into my opinion now because this person, I was actually wrong about this little tidbit here. They were right about that. I think that's a good idea. Mm. No, no, I absolutely I agree with you. Uh, people need to have their opinions challenged. Absolutely. And something you said, it might be triggering. We people use that word constantly in 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 such a negative way. Um, I I would actually say in this regard, you should be triggered. And it's a good thing to be triggered in this regard. If somebody challenges your idea of something. And I don't mean tell you you're wrong. And people I don't get mean defensive. To disprove you. What? Well, yeah. So people get defensive. But that that's okay to feel that way. Because for one, emotions are irrational to begin with. Emotions are not logical at all. It doesn't mean you're invalid for feeling that way. You're completely valid for whatever way you feel at any given time. But that doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it correct. It just means that that's how you're feeling. Okay, cool. But it's, it's good to be challenged at your belief. It's good to be challenged in your thought process of how you came to something. Because as you said, if the person just feels a certain way about it, now let's challenge it. So in that regard, let's get triggered a little bit. 
And I don't mean get triggered and like go hide and cry in a corner. I mean, get triggered in the sense of like heightened emotional state, or you get have to defend your position. There's nothing wrong with having to do that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to sound like an asshole or sound arrogant or whatever, maybe sound like uh, I'm full of myself, but do do you want to write it down and I'll say it for you then? Most of the time (laughs) when you act, when in my experience, most of the time when I've had conversations with people about their opinions, yeah, they usually don't know what the fuck they're talking about. I I agree with that. A lot of people a have lot. opinions and they don't know how they form those opinions or where they come from. They just this is what I believe, mm-hmm. but they don't know why they believe that thing. Right. And there are plenty of people who do have well thought out opinions, but I'm just saying a lot of times people just talk out of their ass. And I when I was younger, I used to call people out more often. But as I've gotten older and tried to be more socially acceptable by people. <laughs> Instead of actually calling people, I just ask questions. Like if yep, somebody says too. something fucking dumb, I'll ask them a question about it. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that. And I'll just ask them questions, but sincerely, but trying to figure out like, why the fuck does this person think that? Yes. Yeah. And then a lot of times you'll realize that they don't fucking know why they think that. They just think that. Yep. They just believe it. How come? Well, it's just the way I feel. So you have no real reason for it. Got it. Um, Yeah. Uh, no, I'm I'm with you completely, Steve. I, I really wish people did that far more often. And uh, I'm not saying by any means that I am perfect in that uh, or that I'm super thought so out. Everybody does it. It's a human thing to do. Yeah, it's you just emotionally human attached to an idea or an opinion. Right. And when somebody says something that goes against it, you're like, <gasps> right. no, well, I'm mean, wrong. Why am I wrong? I don't know, but you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We all want to believe we're smart. We all want to believe we're intelligent. The thing about it is no human being is singularly intelligent. No, we're intelligent. Speak for yourself. I'm omnipotent. Ah, yes, you are. You're omnipotent at all times. Omnipotent. How would you pronounce it? I don't give a shit. I don't even know how you properly do it. I am alpha and Um, omega. I am the first and the last. Yo, there's going to be a Christian who's going to be like, (laughs) he called himself God. No, he didn't. He didn't. He's making a fucking joke. All right. Um, I mean, the joke was that I'm God, but yes, but everybody thinks that they're smart, right? And, and that's just it though. We are all ignorant at times for certain topics. We are all dumb as shit when it comes to certain things. Okay. And it's okay to be that it's okay to admit and accept the fact that you are ignorant about certain shit. And in fact, it's been my experience that as humans, There is far more we don't know about a fuck ton of stuff out there than we know about things. And so we need to accept and understand that we are fucking ignorant. And it's okay that somebody else has a little bit of knowledge than more than we do about a certain topic that doesn't make us dumb. That makes us dumb about that topic, but it doesn't make us dumb as people. You know what I mean? Do do, do you see the distinction I'm making with that? Yeah. I mean, some people are dumb, but. Well, that doesn't make about you dumb. certain things about certain things. And that's like, when I that's, say someone's dumb, I mean, they're dumb like, about a lot of things <laughs> just in well, general. I, yeah. You mean the old school version of being dumb? Yeah. Like somebody just doesn't know a lot about anything, anything, but every, but everybody's got their area that they know something about. Right. And, and knowing, knowing that you don't know a fuck ton about a certain thing and that you're just talking out your ass. It's actually a really worthwhile skill to have to know that you're just fucking talking out your ass about a given topic. And like, 
uh, and I mentioned before all the psych textbooks that I've read and all the other books and shit, uh, 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 theory and shit like that from different psychologists that have written books. But that by no means does that make me an expert in anything. Well, it depends on what in, you mean in, by expert. Like, it depends on well, what, like, what do you mean by I got a bunch of knowledge, because but I don't know how good any of it is. There's like a textbook definition of expert, but there's, there is. um, by many people's definition and by, by like a practical use of the word, maybe you are an expert. And, and if they would like to call me that they're more than welcome to do so, I will never call myself it because I would say you're not a specialist because yeah, I'm definitely not that. Like, I wouldn't say you, you probably have a lot of broad knowledge I do. about yeah. psychology, but as far as like maybe specific, like it's not like you've spent 10 years researching Alzheimer's or something, or you've nope. spent, uh, you know, 10 years studying, um, what's another bipolar disorder or something, you know, these people who are specialized in like very specific fields who know of a lot and maybe they're an expert at that topic. Yes. I, I am, I am more generalized in a lot of things. Right. Um, over the last few years, autism has been more so, of a thing that I focused on, but bipolar, definitely. I mean, I was most, diagnosed most medical years doctors, ago. most the general practitioners, family medicine doctors, yeah. os, what are they called? Osteo, whatever the yeah. fucking, the doctors who treat the whole body, whatever they call them, OS, whatever. Anyway, uh, Osteopaths? there's MDs and then there's doctor of osteopathic medicine or whatever yeah. the fuck they call it. Anyway, I would still consider those people experts, but they're not specialized in one particular thing. Some of them are because I have met uh, family doctors who also have like a, a secondary specialty. Like maybe they specialize yep. in like digestion or something. But my, yeah, yeah, yeah. but even if you're just a family doctor, I would still say you're right. an expert. Maybe you're not an expert in a specific thing, but that's by me. Maybe, maybe other people wouldn't consider them an expert, but I think a lot of this language stuff is somewhat subjective. So like, when you say I'm not an expert at psychology, I think compared to the average person you are by many people's standards, you probably would be. You're oh, just not, thank you. maybe not in a specific thing. Like maybe like, I'm not an expert at, you know, I don't know, whatever, pick something. <laughs> There's probably not one. No, specific. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. Cause I don't like, I don't spend maybe my time reading in just one area of psychology. Right. Like I didn't, I don't specialize in, one specific area. Uh, I try to grab a book about different therapies and different, um, and I try to read research, but it's, you know, random bits of research. It, like, it's not just all in one direction. I mean, I have read a lot in the area of addiction because that's what I do for a living. So I have, I have, I think I have more in that general direction, but I, by no means would I say I'm an expert in any of it. And I find I find psychology though I find psychology interesting, but I think I have a problem like reading through. I tried to read a couple of psychology books. There was one about the the brain that I was reading, and I I I had trouble staying interested in it. But I I do. uh, For for instance, like the reason why I like that Viktor Frankl book so much is because the man search for meaning. Yeah, because there's a there's a real world story tied in with it about his own personal experiences. And so it makes it easier for me to understand everything he was saying because he talked about his own experiences, what happened to him. Um, So I think like stuff like that makes me connect with it more, like having Mm -hmm. being able to relate to it or have the personal story. Just the book talking about the brain. I'm like, you know, Uh, there are certain like subjects people would consider boring that I find fascinating and can sit and listen to a boring book about like history 
I've listened mm. to a lot of books about history where people would just probably be like, that's fucking boring. I don't listen to that. Or um, certain science, certain subjects in science, not psychology, but like, you know, uh, anything about physics and like space. I find that shit interesting when they're talking about like stuff beyond my fucking understanding when they're going to like all these complex physics. I'm like, I'm listening to you. I don't know half what you're saying, but that's fucking interesting. So, and that's where I get really bored. Physics happens to be one of those things. Physics and engineering, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it what it is. The hard sciences. Well, I, I sent you that um, that weird video clip about the way that hell. photons yeah. behave. The, the wave yes. experiment. That's fucking fascinating to me. How like it, it's interesting, but like, like the whole time I'm translating that like, into fucking what, thought. And what behaviors. the hell is the name of that scientific? Um, uh, I can't remember what it's called. There's a name for what that phenomenon is where like, okay. if you look at an electron, it behaves uh -huh. as a particle. But when you, when you measure it, it behaves as a wave and a particle at the same time. Okay. I forget what they call that, but there's a name for that, but that's what they were describing with, um, with photons that it behaves yeah. as a wave. But then they were saying like electrons behave as both. If you, if you look at it and measure it, it behaves like a particle, but if you don't measure it, it behaves like a wave. So when we look at it, it changes its behavior, which is fucking doesn't make any sense. And that's why or some maybe people, the tools in which we have to measure are not quite good no, enough because to they be measured it both ways. But uh, that, that's why some some like these are brilliant people. There's brilliant fucking yeah. physicists who think that that's part of the one of the one of the um, one of the contributing factors to why some people think that the universe is a a fucking simulation. Oh. Because there's okay. weird, there's weird things that happen that um, would lead lead you to believe that like this is pr programmed like this is pro. But anyway, I don't want to get into that because oh. that's a whole can of worms I don't want to open up right now. But yeah, plus yeah, I'm not you're, right you're outside my interest level. I'm not in the the right headspace for right now. But I was, I, I I've gotten out everything I wanted to say as far as <clears throat> people right. like. I know we keep talking a lot about morality and bullshit lately, but it just, I've been thinking a lot about it, like all, all the, uh, the death penalty stuff and everything else. And just like all well, these horrible things that we do as people, yeah. that we try to justify. Right. And when you look at all the horrible things going on in the world, it gets overwhelming sometimes. Like it's out of your control. There's nothing you can do about it. Oh, yeah. So I was going to say it earlier. I pointed to my cup and you can't read it and nobody else can either, I bet but it has the serenity prayer on it. Do you know the serenity prayer? Yeah, it's like, uh, I don't remember what it is, but basically the gist is like, yeah. worry about the things you can control. Yeah, well, let, let, let me read it, and I'm actually going to edit because I don't, I don't use... So it was originally uh, written, uh, it, it comes a lot from AA and stuff, and it says, uh, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change Courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. Now, usually for myself, when I say this for myself, I don't say God grant me the serenity. Um, it's basically as a reminder to me to focus on the things that I have control over uh, and not to focus on the things that I can't. I can't affect any war in the world. I can't I can't do anything about the, the ill treatment of somebody in Chicago right now. There, there might be somebody getting the crap beat out of them in some major city in the United States at this there's, given moment while we child, record. There's child sex trafficking. There's slavery. Yep. There's all I, kinds I of I can't do nothing about that on. stuff. Now, somebody will say, well, then who, who should do something about it? Well, there are people who are working on this. 
I, whoo, before I drop my coffee, I am not one of the people who's working on that, but there are people who are fighting that fight and they choose to fight that fight. Uh, Ashton Kutcher apparently is doing a great job at fighting that fight for uh, sex trafficking. I'm not one of those people, but what I can control in my life is a, my own behavior, B, the effect I have on others, and C, this podcast with you. Our improv group, these are things that I have some level of control over. So in that, I'm going to do my best to to work what I can, but I'm also not going to put a whole lot of energy and effort and time into trying to fix the world. But I also am not the person for that. Like my ex-wife, who, who does focus on trying to change uh, state policies in the state of Maine macro to stuff. help. What? Macro. Yeah, macro she works too. on more macro stuff. But I also care more about like individual therapy. Uh, I mean, to put this in the context of what we went to school for, I focus on individuals and how, how to help that individual then influence the world, right? She focuses on policies of the state government, how to help people on a state uh, policy level, as well as she believes in the collective helping one another. Um, I, be I believe that if the individuals in that collective can't help themselves, uh, then they're going to be useless to the whole. Yeah, I, think, I think both's important. I um, think I think so. Too. Me and her have had that you know conversation many times. I do times think that, that the individual is more important because I think <clears throat> no, one, are more important than others. I think they're both important. Well, I do think the individual yeah. is more important, but I can explain why. I think well, sure. the individual is more important because for a few reasons. One, if you have enough people who are um, who are more mentally healthy as a society and maybe uh -huh. in a good space, or people trying to be the best version of themselves that they can be. It's going right. to benefit everybody. If you're right. a, the more you, the more you are the best version of the self you can be, the more greater effect you can, and you will have on the people around you in society. So maybe, um, you know, this year it's just your family that you're having a better impact on, or, um, mm -hmm. maybe you raise your child and your child does something amazing, or maybe 10 years from now, you're able to get to a point in your life where you're able to, because of all the changes in the, the things you're striving for in your life, you're able to have right. a greater impact in more people. Right. And I think that the statewide thing is important too, but I think that the individual one can have a great effect on other people. And like you said before, if you don't take care of the individual, then if you try to help on a macro scale, mm -hmm. it's not gonna, it's not, a lot of people are going to be lost in the weeds or fall through the cracks because they're not getting the individual one-on-one right. -on -one help they need. But if you have enough people, yeah. If everybody had a therapist and if everybody had somebody um, helping them. A good trained therapist. Yeah. So if we had lived in this utopian world they talked about earlier, I don't yeah. think that you would need the macro scale because everybody would be getting the individual love and attention right. and whatever that they need. Right. So you wouldn't need that. Other. So that's, that's, what I, that's why I say I think the individual is more important because I think you have a greater mm. impact on the individual scale. But I think... Without that utopian world, you need some of that macro as like a backup. But I see it as like a yes. secondary. Okay. It's a safety. Well, I, I agree with you on that. But me and you are very similar in that. Um, she she believes very strongly that that if people if people had access to the services that uh, she feels they need, uh, then they wouldn't need a therapist because their needs would be taken care of. I I do not believe that just because somebody's needs 
their basic needs are taken care of, their problems go away. Well, um, you can, you can I, I do believe that how sometimes many, we get in our own damn way. How many famous artists have killed themselves? Yeah, but how many of them were rich? Well, Robin Williams, he didn't have. Oh, you're talking problems. like those kind of artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, saying yeah. how many people who are rich and successful, maybe not like we're not talking about absorbently wealthy, but you know, the, right. they, their needs are met. They have everything. They're well off. Yeah. Robin yeah, Williams didn't have to worry about where he was going to get his next meal, but he had mm -hmm. deep psychological issues. Um, yeah, he was bipolar, and uh, supposedly yeah, oh, some of and, it had to do. And then with, he got diagnosed with that form of dementia. Yeah, well, I thought some of it had to do with his cocaine, heavy cocaine use um, in the seventies and eighties or whatever, but all factors contributing. A lot of people say that if you use cocaine heavily for many, many years, and I don't know this, you probably know more because you actually know about more about drugs, but I've heard, I don't know if this is true. That if you use cocaine for many, many years, then when you stop taking it, that it fucks with your brain. Um, that like you never really recover after it. Like you, you, your brain chemistry is kind of changed to a point where you can't alter it. And a lot of people experience a lot of severe depression that they can't get out of. Well, so it does damage your brain, not completely to the point where it's permanently done. You, it does recover some of the damage that's done to it. Uh, but the brain has an amazing way of getting around damage spots. So what, uh, what I heard with, with Robin Williams case in particular was that, yeah. um, so he's bipolar, but yeah. after he stopped doing cocaine, his depression uh, was really bad all the time. And right. He, As it would be. He had a hard time being happy ever. Uh, well, yeah. And I don't know, but uh, some people had said that a lot of people who do cocaine for many, many, many years that they have a hard time enjoying anything afterwards. Um, yes. Enjoying life in general. Um, it's some of it probably has to do with that <laughs> overflood of dopamine every time you use. Yeah. And then, you know, that reward pathway kind of hijacking that drugs have tendency to do. And then it's much harder to feel satisfied or fulfilled yeah. in life after the fact. Yeah. But the point is, or you have all these. You have a lot of musicians and famous celebrities, yeah. usually artists, because usually the artist people, maybe they're, they tend to be people who are maybe a little bit more in touch with their emotions or have strong feelings, which is why they're artists yeah. to begin with. They end up killing themselves or, or overdosing and doing all yeah. this shit and their needs are met and they're satisfied, but they could probably still use that individual attention or maybe a lot of them needed that individual attention. And even if they have it, they still end up hurting themselves anyway. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, it's not like our society is super great about teaching people how to manage emotions. There's also a lot I of mean, shame involved with it, too. Yeah. Uh, I it's mean, on mode. one hand of our society, we're told uh, to have emotions, but only just so much and only at certain times and only in certain ways. But that doesn't make any sense to how we're feeling. It's right? kind of fucked up that like. A lot of like when you look at art, whether it be like a movie or a song, um, it, in, it has more of an impact when it's an individual kind of driving most of it. So like in a mm -hmm. film, you have a lot of people involved. So I feel like the right. impact is not necessarily as strong unless there's like one person who's like a strong driving force for creating and making the entire film who has okay. a, a vision. But when you have somebody who has a vision, an artist, a lot of that comes from dark areas or pain or strong emotions. Right. And it's weird That's how right. like we connect with art because of the emotions that we, we can like either it invokes emotions in us or we empathize with the emotions of the person expressing that art. 
Yeah. And it's kind of weird how like the best art comes from these really dark and hurtful places. Like the the best, a lot of the best songs, a lot of the best um, books and poetry come from these dark places from people who have experienced horrible shit. Right. It's, it's, e I almost said it's easy to connect with pain and that's kind of what I mean. Um, we all know what it is to feel loss. We all know what it is to, to, to have somebody break up with us. And so it's, we can connect with an artist who is conveying that that much easier. Well, on a, on a psychological, uh, well, I guess, what would you call it? Like if you mm. get into like more of the brain, like the, the brain itself, I don't know yeah. what, what part of you, what part of the science you would call that? Like a, when the it comes neurobiology to, of it. Yeah, I guess. Well, okay. neuro, neurobiology. Um, another thing that I've read briefly about and heard about, I don't know if it's true, but yeah, the reason why people connect with pain, from my understanding, it's easier to relate to is because it's a baser human emotion. Yes. Yeah. So yeah for instance, like love. Yeah. Kind of exists, but a lot of it is also like social and some of it's made up. Yep. Um, but pain is a universal. It, animals feel pain. We feel pain. Uh, it's a base human emotion that it's what it's probably the most basic emotion. Like, yeah, pain, pain is also a driving factor for a lot of behavior, right? To avoid pain. Like yep. if you if you're an animal and if you're a monkey living out like if we were if we were uh, chimps, you know, chimps feel pain and a lot of like primate behavior is driven by that. Uh, that's a motivating factor is to avoid pain. Yes. Well, uh, 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 seek pleasure, avoid pain. And it also teaches us like pain is a teacher yeah. because we yeah. learn what to so, do and what to not do based on pain, physical pain or emotional. pain. That's right. And we all, well, we figure it out from both pleasure and pain. Even babies um, feel pain. So, so here it is. Uh, it's the five. So there's a couple of theories. One is seven basic emotions. One is five. Here's one that is five. Anger, fear, sadness, happiness, disgust. Notice how love's not in there. But pain is a driving factor for a lot of those. Well, like, I mean, if you think about it, we talk about disgust, sadness, fear, and anger as being a type of psychological pain. Right. The only one that's not is happiness. Right. Well, if you do something and it hurts you, yeah, that's going to probably cause fear in the future of that thing. So like right. if you're a monkey and you get bit by a snake, now you're going to be afraid of snakes because that snake caused you pain. So I'm just saying pain seems like a, a base instinct for primates and animals in general to try to it avoid. Is. So like as human beings, I think that's why we relate so much to things that are painful. It, it, why we respond to art that comes from a dark place. Yes, it, it is. Cause it's so much easier to, to recognize. Be, and those base emotions is what all other, like every other emotion you can name off, off mm. the entire emotional wheel. Um, they all stem from the, those five basics, but it seems like, and I could be wrong, but it seems like, it's much easier for people to connect with pain and sadness than it is for like a happy song. Um, well, um, there's a cognitive distortion. Okay. Called mental filtering. Um, and 
Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, there's two versions of Sadness it nowadays. Sadness pain but, stands out more to us. Is that what you're going to say? Because I've heard yeah, about this before. Yes. Like we it's remember filtering where we'll see the where we'll focus on the negative more so than the positive. We notice like so we we could be happy all day, but if we're unhappy for like three minutes, we'll remember the three minutes we were unhappy and not the rest yes. of the day where we were happy or content. Or if yes. you listen to like happy by fucking what's his face pharrell <laughs> <laughs> all right and you're dancing and you're happy and like oh this is a fun song but then like a really sad song comes on and you cry that's gonna yeah. stand out more to you yeah um one of one of the phrases when somebody's mental filtering it's not always when they say it but one of the phrases people say is like fuck my life yeah or uh uh or uh they they uh get pulled over by a cop and they're like oh my whole day is ruined now I think yeah, th those are kind of mental filtering moments where when they automatically assume and it's kind of, you know, uh, um, fortune telling as well. Uh, when we're saying, you know, this one singular moment that happened at nine o'clock in the morning is going to ruin our entire I, fucking day. I think it makes sense from like a evolutionary standpoint, why primates and human beings would focus more on the negative things, because for yeah. survival reasons, you want to make sure like something that stands out negatively, you want to avoid those things. For right. a greater chance to survive. So well, like, it makes sense. Though, well, unfortunately, sometimes though we we view something as being negative when it's actually not negative at all. It's just not positive. Uh, and then that's when we get in kind of that black and white thinking again, where um if it's not good, it must be bad. And but there's there's room in the middle there. Like uh somebody I was uh Here's an example. When people hit traffic, right? People get really pissy when they get into traffic. Oh, man. Oh, I'm going to be in traffic now. Well, yeah. But if you had left your house earlier, you might not have hit that traffic. But now they're all upset by it. You know what I mean? Like, but being in traffic is not here nor there. Yes, you've got to get somewhere, but there's nothing you can do about that. And so to sit there and be upset and just let yourself fester in being irritated because you're sitting in traffic is is useless. That's why I'm right? gonna invent a jetpack so I can do that's this. that's why you should. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the guy. You've seen the guy with the fucking things. He's he's building his fucking Iron Man suit and shit. Anyway, um, but when people spit sit like road rage to me is 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 completely superfluous it, it is pointless to have road rage because a Hold you're on. letting somebody else what no i do get i get road rage but it's not about traffic it's more about when people do stupid shit i get angry like when people switch lanes without using the directional which they do all yep. the time like if somebody's driving and they just cut right in front of me it's not that they cut in front of me it's that they switched in my lane usually they by the way they swerve into the lane um, yeah. without enough clearance in between me and the other car, but they switch in your lane without using the directional, that type of shit drives me nuts. Yeah. yeah and, <clears throat> and I get you it's, but you don't let that ruin your day. It's not like you're pissy no, all day long. Like a minute and then I'm fine. I just like, what yeah. the fuck? And then I'm fine. Yeah, and that's, and that's that that right there's normal reaction time, right? Like you got a little upset real quick. Cause something happened that you didn't agree with or people running yeah, out into the street instead of using a crosswalk. Yeah. But then nuts. you let it go. It's it's when people spend their entire like hour sitting in traffic, pissy as shit and like ah, 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 the whole time. It's a waste of time and energy. 
as well as that literally sets up the rest of your day to be heightened irritability, aggravation all day, and you're probably going to take it out on the wrong person, but you're blaming it on the traffic when you're the one who's choosing to act that way in that given moment. Yeah. Sorry, that's a, that's all I was trying to say with it. No, I get it, you. I, th- I do think that it's getting to that time we've been recording for okay. quite a while now. I actually, I, I was planning on ending after we maybe like probably 30 minutes ago, but we kind of just went off and I just let it run. But yeah, we, we did what exactly we always do. Uh, so I think we reached a high point and then when we kind of went down, I was like, all right, this is a good time to end. And then we just kept talking. So yeah, this last 30 minutes might be boring to people, but it's fine. Yeah, whatever. Uh, so They'll enjoy it, probably, if they liked listening to us. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to another episode of On the Spectrum Podcast. If you heard anything you like, you dislike, you agree with, you disagree with, you'd like to add to our conversation, you'd like to tell us we're completely full of shit, whatever you would like to say, give us some tell feedback, us, make some comments. Tell us if you if you take time to actually think about things or process yeah. things. Tell us if or, you are pro-death penalty or against death penalty. Tell, yeah, tell uh, me if you have problems giving uh, compliments like me uh, and don't know what to say and you feel awkward. Yeah, let, let us know. Let us know if you get pissed off in traffic, whatever. Give us a comment. Give us some feedback. Watch Penn and Teller's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, and watch Penn and Teller's bullshit. Um, I think that's a show that will uh, piss a lot of people off if they haven't seen it. Yeah, uh, probably. Uh, but drop some uh, drop some comments. Give a like or two. Tell a friend about it. And if you could put a comment on Spotify, that'd be much appreciated. Uh, Thank you very much, everybody. And we will be back next week with another thrilling episode of On the Spectrum Podcast. Yes, very thrilling.